0: Oh, <laughs>
1: listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates.
2: I'm Sarah Golseth.
1: Thanks to Concordia University, Wisconsin for supporting The Coffee Hour. Find out more about Concordia University, Wisconsin at cuw.edu.
2: Live Uncommon.
1: We have a great organization to share with you today. It seems like a new organization, but because it's changing status a little bit in terms of becoming a recognized service organization. But what what is it all about? We're going to talk about catechesis today. Our guest joining us today, the Reverend Peter Bender, director of the Concordia Catechetical Academy. Pastor Bender, thanks so much for being our guest.
3: It is good to be with you. Thanks for the invitation.
1: And also board member from the from Concordia Catechetical Academy, the Reverend Dr. Alfonso Espinoza. Thanks so much for joining us today.
0: Great to be here, Andy and Sarah. Thanks for having us. Pastor Bender,
1: before we talk about Catechetical Academy and what that means, let's start with catechesis. Let's start with the the, the root of the word. How do you define catechesis? Sure. Catechesis
3: is, first and foremost, God's way of converting the heart to faith in Christ. And when we talk about God's way, for us as Lutherans, we think of law and gospel, the call to repentance and the proclamation of the forgiveness of sins. Catechesis differs from education where or Christian education, where you're envisioning the idea of catechesis as is simply passing on dogma or a body of information. Catechesis is really about, first and foremost, converting the heart. From the smallest child to the most aged adult to those of varying educational backgrounds, it is bringing about contrition and repentance, faith in Christ. That's why I say it's God's way of teaching the faith. and You see this in Jesus' ministry so often, in his individual contacts with people. The rich young man, for example, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus meets the man where he is. Why do you call me good? There's only one who is good, and that is God. So we learn in that encounter that the man came to Jesus with a faith in himself, in his own works, in his own righteousness. And Jesus immediately goes to the question that he gave him, you know. Uh, by making his question of his own. Why do you call me good? No one is good but one. Then Jesus goes through the law with him, and the man says, all this I've kept from my youth. And G- Jesus doesn't do what I think a typical Lutheran would do, you know, start arguing with them. <laughs> you know, what do you mean? You've never, you never stuck out your tongue at your parents? You know, what do you mean, you, all this you've kept from, from your youth? No, <laughs> Jesus says, one thing you lack, let go of everything and follow me. And, and he did so looking at the man with compassion. One thing you lack, follow me. And the one thing he lacked was the one person, namely Christ, the only one who is good, the only one who is righteousness. So catechesis is first and foremost concerned about that and God's way of converting the heart where the word and spirit of God does is, is the one who is doing the acting, doing the doing. And then catechesis also involves passing on this language of our holy faith so that the Christian learns how to receive God's gifts in the divine service. That is to say, with what faith do I receive baptism or approach baptism? Or with what faith do I come into the divine service to confess my sins and hear the absolution? Or with what faith do I receive the Lord's body and blood? If I go into those word and sacrament contexts with a works righteous faith, you can have a very good gift like confession and absolution or baptism or the Lord's Supper, but you see it as something you're doing to please God as opposed to what he is doing to bestow his gifts of forgiveness, life, and salvation to you. So that's what I mean by that, you know, passing on the language of faith so that we learn how to receive God's gifts in the divine service, how to pray, how to confess our faith, how to confess our sins, how to forgive one another, and how to live where God has called us with faith in Christ and love to the neighbor, which is what Christian vocation is all about. So catechesis involves all this. You've got faith in Christ that then is, of course, active in love for the neighbor, and they're very real, concrete, outward expressions to that faith, which both create and nurture it, and by which it is expressed, like prayer is the voice of faith that claims the promises of God and so forth. So that's why I like to say we need to begin to do in catechesis the things that we want Christians to continue to do for the rest of, the, of their lives. And rather than seeing the catechism as a textbook, hmm. we see it as a prayer book and a handbook for the Christian faith in life. And we should, we should talk about the Catechism, too, what that is, but I'll pause there, and you can take it the direction you'd like to go.
2: Yeah, I was gonna. It, the things that you're saying are just so central to who we are as baptized Lutherans. Like this is stuff that we should be taking into our hearts, and it's just it's so critical to everything that we do. So I'm I'm glad we're talking about this. It's so important, and you're you're listing off the things that catechesis is is supposed to write on our hearts and. I was like, oh, those are the six chief parts of the catechism. This makes a lot of sense. So let's talk about the catechism. What is what is the catechism? How how do we use it? How, what is it intended for?
3: It's a great question, and I think it's a misunderstood answer a lot of times. And when, when pastors or I talk about the catechism, there's a lot of different ideas in people's minds as to what I'm talking about. I mean, some think of the 1943 hardbound blue catechism, which is Luther's small catechism with... All of these explanations, which were actually the second president of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, Heinrich Schwan, put that together initially, and it's undergone several revisions. But I like to start by saying the catechism is chiefly what the church Catholic has used in foundational catechesis for hundreds of years, all the way back to the early church, the Ten Commandments themselves, God's law. The Apostles' Creed, which is a summary of the Christian faith that's faithful to the Scriptures and drawn from both the Old and New Testaments. The Lord's Prayer, those first three chief parts, there's kind of a, they orbit around each other, describing the baptismal life. And then the next three chief parts, that which create that, the key text on baptism from the Gospels Matthew 28, go and make disciples of all nations, Mark 16, whoever believes and is baptized. The words of institution, our Lord Jesus Christ on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and so forth. And then the Lutheran contribution to those Catholic texts, the words of Jesus from John 20, having to do with the office of the keys and confession. If we understand that the catechism is first of those texts, all of it is directly from the Bible. Mm-hmm. All of it is directly foundational. So it's very ecumenical in that sense. It is very Catholic in the sense of the universal church, it's not idiosyncratic to being Lutheran. Mm. And then we can talk about the catechism as Luther's small catechism, and he, receiving these texts, commandments, creed, Lord's Prayer, texts on the sacraments, then writes his simple but rich biblical expositions. So there's Luther's small catechism, those primary texts of the catechism of the church Catholic and what I sometimes call the secondary texts, or his explanations. And then it is very helpful. I mean, what Heinrich Schwan did and what the Synod has continued to do after that was great. Uh, An explanation to Luther's small catechism. It's a compendium of additional questions and answers with a myriad of Bible passages that support that. But if we don't learn by heart the primary texts and teach them to our children as little preschoolers and in the early primary grades, and then move from there into Luther's explanations and learn them by heart because they're beautiful and they're biblical and they're centered in the gospel. If we don't do that first and then begin to use those texts in the life of the congregation, in the life of each Christian, then we see the catechism as a textbook, especially when we have that synodical explanation portion. And that's an unfortunate thing. It's a great resource, but to receive the Catechism, to learn it by heart, it shapes the way you think. It shapes the way you hear and listen to Scripture. And it becomes then a handbook for the Christian faith and life, not because you have to page open to it to find out you know, what to do,
1: but because it shapes the way in which you live in your station and calling. I have two questions. See if we can pack them in in the next two minutes or so. <laughs> First, you used the phrase learn by heart. What do you mean by learn by heart?
3: Learn by heart is an important term. It is what my teacher, the late Dr. Kenneth Corby, used. Instead of memorization, uh-huh. I memorize my phone number, but I learn by heart things I love. Mm. So I learn by heart everything about my wife because I love her and she's my wife and I want to know everything about her. And I'm not bored with my wife. I'm not bored with her personality. I'm not bored with everything about her because that's why God gave her to me, and together we are complementary as husband and wife. You memorize things that you don't have a particular affection for, but you learn by heart, which still involves memorization, but even at a deeper level, Mm -hmm. those
1: things which are important to you and that you love. Second question, where is catechesis intended to take place? Ah,
3: where is catechesis intended to take place? Remember what I said that we need to begin to do in catechesis the things we want Christians to continue to do for the rest of their life? Mm. That means it is all-encompassing in the life of the Christian and in the life of the Christian congregation. And Luther picks up on this in his catechism by having a daily prayer section, by having the table of duties. So he bases a lot of that on Deuteronomy 6, you know, the Lord, our God, is the only God, and these words which I command you, which is not just the law but words of law and promise, shall be in your heart. There is learned by heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house around the dinner table or in the living room, when you walk by the way to and from work and school, when you lie down to go to sleep, when you rise up in the morning, that's why the daily prayers, when you get up in the morning, make the sign of the Holy Cross and say, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you confess the creed, and you'll sing a hymn, and whatever else your devotion might suggest. So the, the Christian home, fathers and mothers pass on the language of the faith in the context of family prayers, individuals, and and in the group setting of the family around the table, and every aspect of the congregation here at Peace Sussex, where I'm at, is is all geared around that that
1: rhythm of life where from the cradle to the grave, we're in the word of God. We're learning about catechesis today and Concordia Catechetical Academy with the Reverend Peter Bender and Reverend Dr. Al Espinosa. We'll continue the conversation in just a moment right here on The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates.
2: I'm Sarah Ogleseth.
1: welcome back to the coffee hour i'm andy bates
2: i'm sarah Golseth.
1: we're learning about catechesis today and the concordia catechetical academy with the reverend peter bender and the reverend dr al espinosa uh before we went to break we were learning a lot about catechesis now let's let's talk about Where the idea for the Concordia Catechetical Academy, by the way, that's a tongue twister, and I had to practice that.
2: Best name to say. Concordia Catechetical
1: (laughs) Academy. Where did the idea for this begin? You can be a part of the CCA, the
3: Concordia Catechetical (laughs) Academy, if you can pronounce it (laughs) five times straight without making a mistake. It's, It's also why we go by CCA. But it really began, I was ordained in 1987 and excited to serve as a young pastor, 26 years old, in this dual congregation out in Iowa, Boone and Dayton, Iowa, and excited to teach the faith. And I go into my first classes with the youth, and I find they know nothing of Bible stories. They know nothing of the catechism. They have not learned it by heart as little children, and they're frankly bored to be there. So that got me started in this whole enterprise of what is catechesis and this should not be frustrating to a pastor we are bashing your head against the wall with these kinds of obstacles and so that started my graduate studies in catechetics it's where i got to know reverend dr kenneth corby and he his his emphasis on the all encompassing nature of catechesis and he had something called the family catechetical hour which is a daunting title for anything. It was really a devotional guide for his, for his congregation. I've changed it to the congregation at prayer. And so every week it comes out in the, in the bulletin and it's posted online. It's got, it follows the basic structure of daily prayer that Luther has in the catechism, invocation, creed, Lord's Prayer, and hymn. But then it opens it up with a Bible verse for the week, catechism for the week to be meditated upon and learned by heart, prayers on that catechism for the week, Bible readings, narrative of Scripture, secondary reading from the prophets or epistles, uh, in our prayers in the congregation this week, and it's a it's a guide for catechesis and prayer at home for individuals, couples, and families. It becomes the basis for our day school daily chapel. It becomes the basis and is used in some form at every board meeting, every committee meeting, every congregational assembly. Not all of it, but a portion of it. So we're all in the same diet of the Word of God, and we live from Sunday to Sunday. So what happened was, after my graduate courses and assignments I did for Dr. Corby, he started to, at pastor's conferences, as an adjunct professor at both Concordia Seminary St. Louis and Fort Wayne, he he started to say, if you want to know who's putting the meat on the skeleton, the bones that I'm giving you, you want to talk to... Pastor Peter Bender, first from Boone, <laughs> Iowa, and then I moved to Sussex. Well, I started to get inquiries, and you know, basically very little of it was written down at that time in the early 90s. Most of it was in my head. But out of that, I said to our congregation, Peace in Sussex, can we form the Concordia Catechetical Academy? To promote Luther's small catechism, and faithful Lutheran catechesis in the church at large. And so the CCA was formed by an act of our congregation in June of 1994. And it has been an auxiliary of our congregation. At first, the Board of Elders was the governing board. Then the parish council was the governing board. It remained an auxiliary of our congregation until the fall of 2022, when we decided to move it into a separate 501c3, Status, and then from there to apply for recognized service organization status in the synod so th- th- what the c c a does we have an annual symposium, we do conferences around the country, and we public publish catechetical materials again for the promotion of Luther's small catechism and faithful Lutheran catechesis. So my colleague on the board for National Mission and dear friend Alfonso Espinosa is one of our board members, and he's been quietly sitting at my <laughs> left hand in our conversation <laughs> here, but that's that's a little bit about the history and what brings us to the, to the present state of things.
2: Yeah, Dr. Espinosa, I was going to ask you, what is your involvement with the CCA, but also why is catechesis important to you and in your context as well?
0: I'm I'm making up for lost time. I consider myself especially a theologian, an apologist, and evangelist, but I am lacking in terms of catechetical proper viewpoints, as uh, Pastor Bender has been elaborating upon. A dear, dear friend and colleague in the ministry who actually introduced me to Corby's family at prayer is is William Swirla, now Mm. retired. And uh, William Swirla stated recently— uh, on Facebook, in front of God and everybody, that uh, Peter Bender is the best, foremost catechist in the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, and I and I second that. I'm learning from Pastor Bender regarding this indispensable gift to the church. He's a visionary, and he's looking for ways to spread this good work throughout the synod, throughout the country. So he thought about it, and he actually ventured to ask me, one who lives in California, of all places, to be on his board. And I'm honored. And and the reason he asked me, I think, is because he wants to connect with the culture. How do we get the catechism, the way he's describing its transmission and its use as a prayer book and using it for transformation and not just didactical learning? This is what he's all about in leading us in the CCA. So I hope to uh, merge minds with him about how we can get this into the culture in this postmodern age and uh, introduce the catechism and thereby the Word of God, the power of salvation, to people in the world effectively and not look at this as some kind of crusty old thing that this church has been doing for a long time, but something that it is rather vital and uh, transmitting the very power of God to the culture. Pastor Bender, do you have maybe a story or an example of
1: how catechesis has made a difference for your congregation or maybe a family, where the congregation at prayer has been—how it's made a difference for your congregation or for a family?
3: I'd just like to string together a a number of simple anecdotal kinds of things. When when the pastor takes seriously the catechism and doesn't look at it as a textbook— but sees its comprehensive character. He does that by first and foremost, learning it by heart himself.
2: Mm.
3: When he learns it by heart himself, then he doesn't have to open the book to teach, to confess, to organize his thoughts for a Bible class, for a sermon. And, Because he learns the catechism by heart that way and then offers it that way as a gift, as I mentioned, the congregation at prayer, where we're into it all. Every Sunday morning Bible class, the first five to ten minutes, I'm introducing the congregation at prayer for the week, going through the Bible verse and reciting and chatting about the catechism for the week, but not by looking down because I know that Bible passage in my head and in my heart, and I know the catechism there, it conveys a love for the text. And then it used to be, and I think Pastor Espinosa may relate to this, you know, it's too hard to memorize, it's too hard to learn by heart, but if you've got little kids that are preschool, first, second grade, Mm -hmm. that know an entire chief part and are pulling on your sleeve, can I recite, can I recite, can I recite? You know, it's more fun than a pastor should be allowed to have. And then when the when the parents and the adults see that, it's been years, literally decades since I've had any complaints whatsoever that it's too hard to memorize the catechism.
1: Well, not, change a, not the a, culture
3: exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. you've completely changed the culture. it takes a, it takes a while, but it's it's well worth it, and it's it's a great deal of fun. I mean, I'll tell another anecdotal story of President Harrison at the end of June. Uh, had invited me to do two 20-minute sections at the symposia, or at the, uh, the convention on catechesis and to make use of the new 2017 edition of Luther's Small Catechism with an explanation. And so at a Zoom meeting at the beginning of uh, July, and the convention is right around the corner, I said, I just have one question. Do I have to write this all out? <laughs> and immediately he said, no. I said, then I'll do it. Because not only did I not have time to do a written manuscript, that's not what you pay me to do. You don't pay me to read a paper. I could write papers. That's fine. But I need to look people in their eye and see the delegates, you know, 1,200 delegates out there and catechize. And so I, he, he said afterwards, wow, you know, you came to the lectern. You taught us. For twenty minutes, right on time, and you never once looked at a note. I had nothing in front of me, but I think it was organized, and it's, <laughs> it seemed to be very well received. But it's that type of passion, it's that type of love that is contagious in the congregation. And you know, we have—I uh, have an associate pastor, I have an assistant pastor in our congregation, and I'm—I have the youth, uh, not the thirty-year-old, but the sixty-two-year-old. And not only because I catechized them, but the, the life experience that I've had and they want to hear that and the connection to the catechism that we've enjoyed together, many of those kids and since I'm that I baptized them and into high school and to marriage.
2: It's good to lead by example and that's exactly what you're doing, modeling the things that you're teaching, and that is really, really amazing to be able to do that. So you're moved into or moving into RSO status, recognized service organization. What does that, we have about a minute left, but what does that mean for the CCA? What will that allow you to be able to do now?
3: Yeah, this is part of the reason why the the CCA still remains uh, a vital part of our congregation. I mean, nothing has materially changed in terms of the benefit that the congregation receives from the CCA. But what it allows us to do, congregations can't become RSOs. Their auxiliaries can't become RSOs. Mm -hmm. But as an RSO, we'll be able to partner with the Office of National Mission, the Office of International Mission, pastoral education. We'll be able to do things domestically as well as internationally. And and so that's exciting as we look to the next decade
1: or so of the CCA's existence. How can we learn more about Concordia Catechetical Academy?
3: You can, for right now, go to org and get to the CCA website that way. That's the easiest. We'll be having a new website launched
1: later this fall that should be... Uh, LutheranCatechesis.org. Okay. Our guest today, the Reverend Peter Bender, director of the Concordia Catechetical Academy. Thanks so much, Pastor Bender. Thank you. And the Reverend Dr. Al Espinosa, member of the board of directors for the Concordia Catechetical Academy. Thanks so much, Dr. Espinosa. Thank you. You've been listening to the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates.
2: I'm Sarah Golseth.